Um, well, as you can see in your, in your bulletin, we're doing something a little bit different on uh, the next several weeks. In August, uh, we have a series here for the, the Sundays in August, the four Sundays in August, um, where we're not really going to be preaching, uh, we're going to be more teaching. And there's a, there's a difference between teaching and preaching. Um, and so we're going to be teaching more these, these weeks. Jake is handing out a, uh, kind of an, uh, a handout, an outline if you want to follow along. And there's some blanks there you can fill in if you want to fill in um, to help you follow along. But, but we're going to be talking these four weeks about um, a couple questions that, that a lot of people have, and maybe you have. Um, and it's questions around um, eternal security, right? Sometimes we're, we're Baptists, and so sometimes we're known for believing in what saved, always saved, Right? Um, and a fancier way to say that is, is eternal security. And so we're going to be talking about what, is, what does that mean. Next week we'll look at, at the question of what does that mean? Um, what does once saved, always saved mean? What does eternal security mean? What does the Bible say about that? Uh, there are believers who don't believe that. There are believers who think that, that once someone uh, is converted and, and becomes a believer in Jesus and gets saved, that they can lose their salvation. And so we're going to be talking about that next week. What does the Bible say about that issue? And then the following week we're going to ask a question what about people who have fallen away, right? What about people that, that we know of? If we believe that once you're saved, you're going to be saved forever, um, then what about people that, that have fallen away? We know people that, um, that used to believe, used to be following Jesus, used to be active in his church, um, those kind of things that are, that are not now. I forgot my water. That are, that are not that way now. So what about those people? What do we think about that? If we think that once you're saved, you're always saved, how do we explain those, those people? And then, uh, and then the last week of August, we're going we're gonna to talk about how can we know for sure that we're saved. If we all know of people who once looked like they were following Jesus and, and were following hard after him and, and serving his church and all those kind of things, and, and now they're not, um, how can we be assured that, that we're saved and be assured that we're not going to fall away at some point in the future? And so for the next, the next uh, few weeks in August... I'll be teaching some of those. Uh, Pastor Jake will be leading some of those. Um, and then when we get to September, we'll get back into our regular preaching uh, routine, and, and we've got a, a, a series of sermons that we're going to preach, and we'll have different people up here like we, like we normally do. But tonight, even, even before we start answering any of those other questions, um, tonight I want to answer the question of why even do a study like this, right? And we've talked about this before. It's been several years now back um, I think it was all the way back in 2013, if, if, if um, the records on my computer are, are right. I think all the way back in 2013, we did a study like this on what we believe about the, about the Bible. And I think even before that, some years before that, we did a study like this on what do we believe about the Trinity. And now we're, we're doing one on what we believe about um, eternal security. And so before, let's, let's kind of ask and answer the question, why even do a study like this? Why not just have preaching? Why not just love Jesus? Why have to, have to think kind of deeply about this? Um, if we, if we want to know, if we want to think about kind of what these kind of studies are called, it, it will be called like in a, in a college or seminary setting, it will be called like systematic theology where you take one subject and you want to systematically study what the whole Bible says about that one subject. And so why even, even think about that or talk like this in, in a church, right? None of y'all signed up for a seminary class tonight. None of y'all signed up for a college class on, on theology or on doctrine or on the Bible. So, so why in a, in, in a church setting even think about, um, think about these kind of things? And so that's what I want to talk about tonight. Um, and it's going to be a little bit interactive. If you want to ask questions, feel free to ask questions. Um, raise your hand first. Don't just shout them out. 
Um, but also, I, I want some of you all to read scripture. So if you're, if you're willing to read scripture, um, would you raise your hand, please? And I'm going to sign, sign some scriptures, right? Austin, would you look up, and I'll tell you when to read it, but would you look up Romans 1, verses 18 to 21? Who else? Uh, Drew Dillman, would you look up Romans um, chapter 3? Anybody else? Matt, would you look up um, Ephesians chapter 2? Anybody else? Ms. Jetty, would you look up um, James chapter 2? Anybody else? All right, Pastor Drake, would you look up Deuteronomy 6, verse 4? Ms. Lola, was that your hand? Would you look up uh, John chapter 1, verse 1? Anybody else? Tyson, would you look up Mark 1, verse 10? And we got one more. Uh, Isaiah, would you look up Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4? Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. Okay, and then we've got some more to read, but I'll, but I'll look those up as we go. All right, so, so first of all, what is, what is doctrine or, or what is theology? Okay, when we're talking about doctrine, when we're talking about theology, what is it even that we're talking about? Okay, and so the, the word theology comes from, from two words. They're both, they're both Greek words. The first word is logos. You might be familiar with that verse whenever uh, in the New Testament in John's gospel when it says that the word was with God, the word was God, uh, the Greek word that's translated word in English is, is logos, L-O-G-O-S in, in Greek. And, and what that word means, what, what logos means is word or thought or idea in English. Okay, and, and so that's where we get some, some words that we know. We know biology, right? Biology is the study of or words or thoughts about life. Uh, bios is a Greek word that means life, and logos means words, and so the words about life. Um, we, know, we know the word uh, geology is the study of uh, the earth, the rock formations, things like that, right? And so words about, thoughts about, ideas about the earth. Um, anthropology is the study of, of people, of humanity, um, and that's from the Greek word anthropos and logos, the, the words or ideas or thoughts about, about people. Um, cosmology is the kind of philosophical study of the universe, where did the universe come from, or, uh, you know, the Big Bang Theory, uh, creation, different, different ideas about how the universe got here. Uh, that's called cosmology, and, and cosmos means world, and so cosmology is, is the study of the world, or ideas, or thoughts, or, or, or um, words of, uh, about, about the world. The other half of, of theology is theos, which is the Greek word for God. So theologos, or theology, would be um, words about, thoughts about, ideas about God, okay? Um, and, and we can think about it as the study of God, right? Biology is the study of life. Geology is the study of, of earth. Cosmology is the study of, of creation. Um, anthropology is the study of people. Theology is the, the study of God, okay? Ideas about God, thoughts about God, words about God. So, so that's what doctrine is. That's what theology is. So then the next question would be, well, why should we study doctrine or theology? As, as a church, right? We're not in a, in a theology class. We're not in a seminary. We're not in a college. Why should we as a church think about or study or talk about theology? Okay? And so I've got four, four reasons why we should spend the next three weeks talking about, thinking about theology. Okay? And then we'll be done tonight. So the first reason, number one, is that everybody has one, okay? Everybody has a theology. E e even, even believers who've, 
who've never been to a seminary course, even believers who've never been to a, to a college course, even people who don't believe in God have a, a theology, right? People who are atheists, people who don't believe in God, they have an idea of what the God they don't believe in is like, right? They know the God that they don't believe in. Um, and, and so the question is not, should we study theology or should we talk about doctrine or, or, or shouldn't we? The question is, are we going to have a, a, a good theology or a bad theology? Are we going to have a, a right ideas and, and thoughts and, and, and views about God? Or are we going to have wrong thoughts and ideas and, and views about God? The, the option to not have an idea about God is not there. Everybody thinks something about God. And so as believers, we want to think right things about God. We want to think true things about God. We want to, uh, we want to have a, a, a good theology versus a, a bad theology. We don't want to have an image in our mind of God that, that's not true. We don't, we, we don't want to be worshiping an idol that, that we've imagined in our mind that, that doesn't really relate to the, to the true God, okay? So there, there, there's no such thing as a, as a lack of theology. Every single person has one. Um, whoever had Romans chapter 1, would you read verses 18 through 21 out loud? Somebody can hear, please. Thanks, Austin. So, so in Romans chapter 1, those verses, Paul says that God has revealed himself to everybody, right? It, there, there's, there's, there aren't people who exist who, who don't know that there's a God. Now, there are people who exist who think some wrong things about God and, and, and don't, don't understand the true nature of who God is, but, but God says that he's revealed himself in, in the things that have been made in creation. And he says that, that we can look around, we can, we can see that there's a God, he's shown himself plainly to us, and, and yet Paul says that people reject him. It's not that people don't know enough about God, it's that people reject God, okay? And so if we all know that there's a God, now the danger is, what are we gonna think about him? Are we gonna think wrong things about him or right things about him? Are we gonna think true things about him or, uh, or false things about him? And so we as, as a church, not as seminary students, not as college students, we just as normal believing people in, in a church, we want to think about who God is, think about what God's done, Think about what God has told us about himself, and we want to think rightly about him, okay? So the first reason that, that, that we should think about these kind of questions and study these kind of questions is because uh, everybody has a theology, either a, either a right idea about God or a wrong idea about God, and as a church, as believers, we want to have as many right ideas about God as, as possible, okay? The second reason that we want to think about questions like this, the second reason we want to study theology or, or doctrine as a church is because the Bible demands it. The Bible demands it, okay? We can't read the Bible without thinking about theology and doctrine. We, we can't, okay? So for example, let me show you a couple examples here. Who had Romans chapter three? Would you read verse 28, please, Drew? Okay. So Paul says that we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. We're not saved by works, we're saved by faith, right? Okay, who had Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9? 
Okay, so again, we're saved by grace through faith, and Paul explicitly says not by works so that we can't boast, right? So in Romans chapter three and Ephesians two, Paul says that we're, that we're saved by faith and that we're not saved by works, right? Okay, so who had James chapter two, verse 17? Ms. Jetty, read that out real loud for us, please. James chapter two, verse 17. Okay, so James in chapter two says that faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So in Romans three and in Ephesians two, Paul says that we're saved by faith, not by works. James says that if works aren't mixed with faith, then faith is dead, right? How, how do we fit that together? Is, are, are Paul and, and James contradicting each other? Okay, Ms. Jetty shakes her head no. But how, how do we fit those two passages together? Okay, well, let's, let's think about this one. Who's got Deuteronomy chapter six? Jake, read verse four, please. Okay, the Lord is one. God is one, right? We all believe that. We're monotheists. We don't believe in many gods. We believe in one God. The, the, the Lord is one. Okay, who has John chapter one, verse one? Okay, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, okay? Uh, Miss um, uh, Lola didn't read on down to the, to the end of that passage, I didn't ask her to, but if we keep reading down to verse 14, we're told that the Word is Jesus, okay? The Word is a, is a title that, that John gives to Jesus. So in John chapter one, verse one, John says that Jesus is God, okay? Well, Jake said there's only one God. Miss Lola said that Jesus is God, okay? Who has Mark chapter one, verse 10? Okay, so when, when Jesus is baptized, he looks up in the sky and it says the Spirit, the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. Okay, who has Acts chapter five, verses three and four? Okay, so in Acts, Peter says that, uh, that they've lied to the Holy Spirit, and then later he says it wasn't to man that you lied, but it was to God that you lied, right? So in Acts, Peter says, in, in Luke's writing Acts, they say that the Holy Spirit is God, okay? So in John chapter one, Jesus is God. In Mark chapter one, the Holy Spirit's there like a dove. If we kept reading that passage, the Father is in heaven, he speaks down uh, onto Jesus. So the Father, the, the, the Spirit, and Jesus are all there. And then in Acts chapter five, uh, Peter says that the Holy Spirit is God. Well, Deuteronomy 6 says there's only one God. So how can Deuteronomy 6 be true? There's only one God, and yet John says that, that Jesus is God, and Mark says that the Holy Spirit and the Father are God, and in, in Acts, Peter says that the Holy Spirit is God. How can all of those passages be true? Well, we know they are true, right? We believe the Bible doesn't contradict itself. We, we believe that those are true. And we've developed a way of explaining how those verses all fit together that's called the doctrine of the Trinity, right? We know that there's one God, 
and one God exists in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? But as soon as we start trying to find a way to make those passages fit together, as soon as we start trying to find a way to understand how Paul can say we're saved by faith and not by works, and James can say that we're saved by faith with works, well, as soon as we start trying to find a way to, to understand all those passages together, we're, we're doing theology. We're doing theology. And so we can't understand the Bible, we can't read the Bible, we can't understand how all the parts of the Bible fit together without doing theology. And so one, I mean, that, that is the definition of doing theology. How do those passages fit together? And so a, a second reason that we should uh, think about these questions and, and study these kind of questions as a church is because the Bible demands it. If we're going to understand how the whole Bible fits together, we have to think through these kind of questions. We have to have, to, uh, have these, kind of, these kind of conversations. Okay? So one reason we should think this way as a church is because everybody has a theology, either it's going to be right or wrong, true or false. A second reason is because the, the, the Bible demands it. A third reason that, that we should think this way and, and have these kind of uh, discussions and, 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 um, and ask these kind of questions is because it leads us to worship. We should study theology because studying theology leads us to worship. And actually, in fact, doing theology is, is an act of worship itself. Thinking, thinking theologically is, is an act of worship itself. Okay? Look at it or listen to a few passages with me. I'll read these because no one uh, raised their hand for these. Romans chapter 11, the end of this passage. So what's happening in the book of Romans, Paul's writing this letter to the church in Rome, and he spent the first uh, 10, 11 chapters talking about theology, okay? Who God is, what God's done, he's revealed himself to us, how he saved us in Jesus, how, uh, how, how Jesus' death makes God, proves that God is righteous and, and makes us righteous before him. All these, all these deep, uh, you know, we talk about Romans being this, this big, deep theological book that, that's hard to understand sometimes, in, in Sunday school this morning, we were reading from Peter in 2 Peter, and this might make you feel good. One of the things that, second, that, that Peter says in 2 Peter is that Paul writes some things that are hard to understand, right? And so Paul wrote some things that were hard for Peter to understand. So if, if Paul writes some things that are hard for me and you to understand, that should make us feel good because even Peter had some trouble understanding some of it, right? But Romans is this big, long, complicated letter that Paul wrote, and the first 10 chapters or first 11 chapters are all about doctrine, theology, who God is, what God's done, and then in chapter 12, he switches and he starts talking about ethics or how we should live, right? The, the beginning of chapter 12 says, therefore, here's how you, we should live. Here's how we should act based on all the good, true things we've learned about God in the first 11 chapters. But look how he ends, or listen to how he ends chapter 11. When he gets to the end of all this like deep uh, theology and, and, and these kind of questions, he gets down to 11 verse 33. He says, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways for who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. And so Paul gets to the end of this long 11 and a half chapters of, of deep theology, deep thinking about God and who God is and what he's done. He gets to the end of chapter 11 and just almost, almost spontaneously he erupts into this into this chorus this, this verse of, of praise about who God is and how unsearchable he is, how great God is. Great, God is so great that we can't even understand him fully and, 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 um, 
and, and we can't know his mind the way that he has, the way that he knows himself. He has to reveal himself to us, and he's given that no one has ever given a, a gift to him that, that we should be repaid, and, and, and all these kind of things. How th- just this, this spontaneous response that Paul has in, in, in worship. A second passage that's similar is Ephesians chapter 3, um, where Paul's writing this letter to the church in Ephesus, the same thing he spent the first half of the letter up through the end of chapter 3 talking about theology and doctrine and, and all these deep things about God. And then when he gets to chapter 4, he kind of switches and starts talking about how we should live. But he gets to the end of chapter 3, in verse 20, he says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Again, Paul gets to the end of this long section on, on theology and doctrine and who God is and all these great things about God, and just it's almost like he can't help himself. He spontaneously begins to, to worship God and writes this, this, uh, this chorus of, of worship to God. Okay? So theology, one reason that, that we should study theology and think about theology is because it leads us to worship. As we begin to think about how great God is, as we begin to realize and understand um, e- even more how great the work of salvation is, it should lead us to worship God even more. It should lead us to worship God even, even more as in more often. It also should wor- lead us to worship God even more deeply, right? We should wor- it leads us to worship God more deeply. Think about what, uh, what Jesus told the lady in John chapter 4, the lady at the well, when she's asking there about uh, all these different questions and she's trying to distract Jesus from her lifestyle and, and, and those kind of things. And she gets to verse 21 and she says, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Jesus says that if we're going to worship the Father, if we're going to be true worshipers, then we're going to worship the Father in spirit on the one hand and in truth on the other hand. And we could talk a lot about what does it mean to worship God in spirit, but that's not my point tonight, so we're not going to. But he says that we worship God in truth, meaning the things that we say about God in the songs that we sing ought to be true. And the things that we say about God in the prayers that we pray should be true. And the things that we think about God in our head as we're listening to the sermon being preached should be, should be true. We worship God in, in truth. But we can't worship God in truth if we don't know God in truth. And we can't know God in truth if we don't study the word of God that, that he's revealed himself to us. And we can't understand the word that he's revealed himself to us and how it all fits together if we don't ask these kind of questions and think in this theological kind of way. Okay? Finally, it, it leads us to worship, but it's also an act of worship. Uh, the, the call to worship that we read tonight that Josh read at the beginning of our service was from Matthew chapter 22. And in Matthew 22, the, uh, the man there asked Jesus, he's trying to trick Jesus, but he asked Jesus, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus, Jesus answers, and part of his answer, he says, is that we should worship the Lord with all, with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? He's quoting there from, from Deuteronomy, I think it is, in the Old Testament. But he says we should worship God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we could talk a lot about what it means to worship God with all of our heart and what it means to worship God with all of our soul and what it means to worship God with all of our strength. But I want to ask and focus for a few minutes on what does it mean to worship God with all of our minds? 
right? Worship God with our heart, soul, mind, and truth. How do we worship God with all of our mind? Well, the first step in worshiping God with all of our mind is that we think rightly about God. We worship the true God. We're not worshiping an image that we've created in in our heads of what we think God is like or what we think God ought to be like, but we're wanting to worship God truly the way that he is. And we can't know God truly the way he is without studying his word and without, uh, without thinking this way. We want to worship God truly uh, the way that he's asked us to with our mind. Another way that we worship God with our mind is by thinking the same things that God thinks, right? What should we think about God? Well, we should think about God what God thinks about God, right? What, what should we think about each other? We should think about each other what God thinks about us. How should we think about ourselves? We should think about ourselves the way that God thinks about ourselves. How should we think about people who aren't believing in Jesus? We should think about them the way that God thinks about them, right? How should we think about people that live across the world and have a different culture than us and speak different language than us and eat different food than us and all those kind of things? We should think about them the way that God thinks about them. But how do we know what God thinks about us and how do we know what God thinks about himself and how do we know what God thinks about people around the world and people outside of here and and people within here? We don't know what God thinks about all of these things unless we study what God has told us he thinks about these things. And so we worship God, or, or we think this way, we, we, we study and talk and ask these questions and think in this theological way as a church, not as seminary students, not as college students, but as a church, because as individual believers in Jesus, as a church that, that, that claims to believe in Jesus and, and, and serve him together as, as a body, we want to worship him with our minds the way that Jesus said. Worship the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the way that we worship God with our mind is by studying his word and transforming our thoughts according to what his word has revealed to us. Okay? So we, we, we think this way, we study these questions because everybody has a theology. Either it's going to be right or wrong, and so we want to work hard to make it right. We, we uh, ask these questions and study this way because the Bible demands it. If we're going to understand the Bible correctly and how all parts of the Bible fit together, we have to, have to do this work and think this way. We do it thirdly because it, it leads us to worship, and, and really doing it itself is an act of worship. And then fourthly, why do we do these things? Well, I want you to, to grab one of the hymnals in front of you, the gray hymnal. We don't use them much anymore, but they're still there um, in the pew in front of you. And just open up the, the front cover, okay? Not to one of the pages, but just the front cover. And if you open up the front cover, I think all of them, <coughs> all of them should, they have a copy of our church covenant glued into the, into the front pages, right? See it there on the inside, on the inside cover. There should be a copy of the church covenant. And there's all kinds of really good things there. You should read through that regularly and, and think through that. But the church covenant is when, when, we, when we join ourselves to one another as members of First Baptist Church Fairdale, this is our church covenant. This is the promise that we're making to, to one another, Okay. And there's lots of good things in there that, that we could talk about, but skip down to almost the very end to number, number seven. Number seven, one of the promises we make when we join the church is that we will strive to learn, support, and promote the church's doctrine. We will also submit to the discipline of the church and its leadership, but it says we're, we'll strive to learn, support, and promote the church's doctrine. Well, we can't we can't uh, support the church's doctrine, we can't promote the church's doctrine if we don't know the church's doctrine, right? And so it's important that we have times like this where, 
where we study what the Bible says about specific individual topics, and we study them in, in, in some detail, and we think through them, and think through some really hard questions sometimes, and, and, and do some hard work. It's important that we have preaching, right? The, the Bible says that faith comes through hearing, and hearing through the Word of God, and so we regularly preach the Word of God on Sunday morning. We regularly preach the Word of God on Sunday nights, but it's also important that we take some times and, and, and kind of not preach, but, but teach and study and ask questions and think through how do we take all of what the Bible says about a given topic and fit all of it together in, in a systematic way so that it all makes sense. And then how do we apply that to our lives? How do we live that out as we go out from here? And so that's what we'll be doing the next few weeks on the, on the question of eternal security, right? If somebody believes in Jesus tonight, will they believe in Jesus forever? Or is there a chance that they'll stop believing in Jesus in the future? How do we explain uh, the, the phenomenon we see around us? How do we explain the experience we have of people that we love and people that we know and people that we can all think of right now, people, some people we don't even know that are in the news and making big headlines and things, that at one time we're believing in Jesus and preaching Jesus even and following Jesus and serving his church and serving uh, the body of Christ, and, and yet now they're not, today they're not. And then how can we be sure, how can we be, uh, how can we have assurance and be sure that we're saved right now? I'm believing in Jesus, but I know some other people that said they were believing in Jesus and now they're not looking like they're following him anymore. So how can I be sure that I'm believing in Jesus? Okay? And so over the next few, the next three weeks through the month of August, uh, Pastor Jake and I will be going through some of those questions and, and thinking through some of those issues together at the church. Okay? We want to think this way. We, want, we, we pray and, and hope that, that uh, these next three weeks will help us to, to have a, a right view of God, a true view of God, and what God's done in, in salvation. We pray that it will help us to understand the Bible better as we seek to synthesize what all it says into a, into a um, consistent uh, view that, that makes sense. And we pray that it would lead us to worship God um, more truly, more fully, more um, fully. And, and even we pray that, 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 that even these studies, thinking this way, will be, will be worshiped themselves. All right? So hope everybody comes back for the next three weeks as we go through these questions and, and, and tackle this issue. Let's pray tonight. Father God, we thank you so much for a, a good night. God, we thank you for a good, a good Sunday. God, we thank you that your word was preached this morning and the, the gospel was proclaimed. And God, we thank you that tonight we can take some time to to think through what your word says and think through even why we uh, should be studying your word. God, I pray you'd help us to go out from here tonight and, uh, and, and to be good examples uh, of, of your gospel in life. Uh, Father, good, good servants of your kingdom. God, I pray you'd help us over the next few weeks as we seek to, to think uh, seriously and, and, and clearly and deeply about what your word says about this issue of does salvation last? Father, we thank you for Jesus, our Savior. God, I pray you'd help us to hold on to him even as you're holding on to us. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.